Good morning, everyone. That was a little bit weak. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. You've probably heard before how important greetings are in uh, many parts of the world, but particularly in the part of the world that I grew up in West Africa. So I just wanted to engage you a little bit more in that process. Uh, this morning, as we kind of enter into this time, I wanted to just share a really quick video that kind of introduces Echo. For those of you who have been here throughout the, the weekend, you've already experienced a little bit of this. But uh, this particular video was, uh, was prepared and sent out to multiple churches. Uh, word of thanks and just a really quick overview of what God has been doing and just an expression of appreciation to various churches. And we want to express our gratitude to the Village Church here. And uh, while this video uh, is of and, and done by the former CEO and President David Erickson, he was in his in the conclusion of his time. He's still currently there in this time of transition. In the conclusion of his time, he was able to provide some video content that we have been able to share with various churches. The current president has been in, in, in uh, the position of CEO and president, uh, Dr. Abram Bixler. He's only been in there in less than a month, and uh, you're aware that there was this thing called Ian that came along, uh, and he actually is returning right now from Thailand, so hasn't really been able to get in uh, to our studio, but we wanted to just say thank you through this video. In the last four years alone, we've been privileged to equip over 12,000 men and women in more than 25 countries with the ability to produce what they need to feed their families and bless their communities. And those people have passed on what they've learned to over a half a million other people. At the same time that we've been training thousands of men and women around the world, ECHO resources are going to development workers in more than 190 countries. We know there is hope against hunger. And it's a hope not just for the physical needs of men and women around the world. It's a hope that can meet their deeper spiritual needs. It's the hope of the gospel. This morning's message, as we heard in the Old Testament reading, is based on the story from 2 Kings, the story of Elisha with the widow. And it's a story that's very familiar to all of you, I'm sure. It's a story that, as I have uh, titled my message this morning, is a story of someone's journey from desperation to hope. Or to, to, to transformation. It's the story of Echo, and I would like to delve into the story a little bit more. I'd like to go actually verse by verse, if would, you would allow me to. I know I've committed the cardinal sin of PowerPoints by cramming way too much information into these slides, so I'm going to uh, apologize in advance for what you are about to experience, but I want to go through these verse by verse. And as you were listening to this particular story, as I was reflecting back on this story, it reminded me in terms of the desperation, in, in these places of desperation. I wasn't sure about 
having a missions conference right after Hurricane Ian. Um, but as the Lord would have it, there's probably a level of sensitivity to his spirit towards people living in places of desperation in a way that we could not have been prepared for before. And so as I was thinking about this story, I, I thought back to a ministry that we had with Common Services in Burkina Faso uh, when we moved to the capital city of Ouagadougou. And uh, we had a really unique a really unique opportunity, and not everybody gets this opportunity, but we had a really unique opportunity of going in, going in and joining in ministry with my parents. They worked, they, when they moved from the Bible school in Bobo Jalasso, they moved up to Ouagadougou, the capital city, and one of the places that they began to work in was this place called Sector 30. And Sector 30 was like out on the edge of town. It's, it's the, it was the place where a lot of people came looking for work. It was not zoned yet, so they were not official. They were basically squatters. It was, it was a place of desperation because you would see particularly the women and the lives that they, they, they were, uh, the lives that they had in terms of the suffering that they were experiencing. Uh, you would see women going long distances trying to secure water. You would see women trying to make a little bit of money, a little bit of income for their families. And, and one of the ways that was very common in Sector 30, it was kind of a laterite gravelly area. And so they would literally get a little straw broom and they would sweep up the ground and try to bring together as much gravel as they could so that they could sell it to people going by perhaps for construction purposes. Tiny mounds of gravel. Desperation. And one of my very first touching points with Echo was around the Moringa tree. If you've not heard about the Moringa tree, we actually have some brochures back there. You might, you might hear about that this evening, but I'm not going to give anything away. But the Moringa tree is an amazing tree. And so as I joined hands with my father, Jim Albright, and Beth Albright, we began to look at opportunities in Sector 30, work that was specifically tied to and work that worked out of a church that was based there in Sector 30. One of the ways that we worked with that particular community, I say we, that's kind of the grand we. I kind of helped move things along, but then I kind of uh, watched as God began to do his work. One of the things that happened was this Moringa clinic that was opened. People desperate for medical attention, but not able to go in and actually visit another clinic. And it's amazing what happens to people's lives when they have access to nutrition that they literally have never had before. The one story that I remember hearing about was an older lady who arrived at the Moringa Clinic. You want to talk about desperation. As she arrived, she was being led by a, a young boy. 
And she was at one end of a stick and, she, and, and the young boy was at the end, other end of the stick and he was guiding her. As she came in, she was received, she was welcomed. She was eventually given some Moringa powder and was guided out and left. A number of days later, she was blind, not able to see. A number of days later, she walked back into the clinic all by herself. She had had and had a vitamin A deficiency that the Moringa tree and the powder from that tree, once what that was introduced into her system, she was blind, but literally was now able to see. Desperation. How do we move people from a place of desperation into a place of transformation? Second Kings chapter 4. Fasten your seatbelts because we're going to go through this quickly and there's a lot of content here. And one of the things I've actually really, one of the things I enjoy very much about scriptural stories, many of them coming from the Old Testament, is how many integrated community development transformational uh, elements and principles and practices are actually embedded in these stories. This is one of those stories. Verse 1 of chapter 4 from 2 Kings. Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor's the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Talk about desperation. But one of the things that I have seen, one of the things that Echo has noted, perhaps something that you have seen, is that the preeminent platform for showcasing the Lord's transformation is in this place of desperation where there is an acknowledgement and an awareness and a recognition of that desperation. The other thing that I noted here was that sometimes it's true about our lives, but the choices that we make in our lives affect others. This man's debt, this man, this prophet who had died, his, man, his debt was now being assumed by the wife, and actually was going to be passed on to the children to go into slavery. Bad things happen to good people. This was an upright man, even according to her own words to Elisha. He was a godly man. It's possible that he was actually one of the 7,000 prophets that had not kneeled or knelt to Baal. When God was telling Elijah that there were people that were still being faithful to him. See, transformation fun functions best within relationship. Your servant, the woman, the widow, reminding Elisha that this was somebody that you, this is not just somebody off the street. You have relationship with this person. And one of the things that Echo is paying attention to and trying to establish is even in places where there's not relationship, 
the best place and the best way to see transformation takes place that will take place is actually to make sure that there is established relationship. This man was known to Elisha. Verse 2, Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. It's interesting that Elisha starts from this first question of what shall I do for you? There's compassion that's expressed here in his heart. And a compassionate heart is always the most fertile soil for transformational change and transformational action. What shall I do for you? But it's interesting that he follows that up. He says, he goes from what shall I do to you to what do you have in your house? For transformation to properly occur, we have to move from the general compassion of what shall I do for you to the specific investigation and action of what do you have in your house. The place of desperation sometimes makes it difficult to recognize our own personal assets. The widow says, actually, I have nothing. And then she catches herself. I have a jar of oil. But she starts out from a place of nothing. I have nothing. And we have to help people recognize and understand that they actually have a jar of oil. They actually have something that they can contribute. The place of desperation sometimes masks the fact that we have personal assets. We have a jar of oil. We are like the Moses of old who, what do you have in your hand? So the starting place for the most impactful transformation actually requires a recognition or a recognizing of what we have, but also offering it as part of the solution. This engages our own hearts. This stimulates our personal participation in whatever the action is. But it also ultimately engages this little principle that we talk about frequently, and that is ownership. Having skin in the game, contributing to your own transformation, and being a part of that, not being just a recipient for that. Verse 3 says, Then he said, Go borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. I find that last phrase quite interesting. Do not get a few. This is a reminder that something, something big is about to happen. Something transformational is about to happen. And transformation works best when the community is involved in the solution. This is not just about you. Go out and borrow from others. Sometimes we operate in isolation, but we are called to operate in community with our neighbors. We sometimes don't like to ask for help. But go borrow from all your neighbors. 
Transformation can sometimes feel counterintuitive. Actually doing that thing that goes against the normal way of doing things. In this, in this case, Elisha is actually saying to her, go and place yourself in someone else's debt, even though your issue is about debt. It can be counterintuitive sometimes. But transformation in that process actually connects people. And as you do so, you build community. But what's going to happen for that community is that they, not just the widow, they are about to see and witness God's provision in a way that they never dreamed possible. They will have insider information and knowledge. Transformation can be most impactful when we are willing to take risks. The challenge is for our faith to be engaged, especially when we are living with little or no margin. Elisha reminds her, do not take few. And then verse 4 says, And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels, and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from the, him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they were bringing vessels to her, and she poured. There's a couple of things that are happening here. One of them is that transformation requires a combination of faithful human effort. It requires us to engage in the process. We've already referenced that. But it also requires an outpouring of divine blessing on the action itself. It's not just the physical laws. It's also about God spiritually intervening. It's the Peter reaching out his hand where the, the cripple in Acts chapter 3 has to engage, provide energy to that, that, that action. Peter reaching out his right hand of dignity to pull him up, coming alongside of him and helping. But ultimately, it was about what God did in the young man's ankles and legs to provide for his walking. Transformation can be best experienced through obedient implementation by adhering to specific instructions. It is in the act of pouring that transformation is experienced. We, we multiply by faithfully living into and utilizing what we have been given, even the remaining small quantity of oil. You see, it's in the desperate one's faith-filled pouring, not anyone else's effort, that unleashes and activates the transformation. Desperation is a great motivator in transformation. It can move us towards something that we normally would not do. It is in the use of our own hands and that we actually see the most impactful transformation take place. First-hand participation is always more impactful than hearsay. Verse 6 says, When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not one vessel more. And then the oil stopped. Transformation is, is manifest to the extent that we have availed ourselves of empty jars. The extent 
of what we can offer as empty space of expectancy to experience, that, to experience the pouring out of God's blessing. It may be limited. In other words, it may be capped off at some point by our, either by our faith or perhaps by our needs. But transformation should not be wasteful or wasted. It fills and it satisfies the felt need for which it was purposed but does not spill over into misuse or exaggerated use. And then the last verse here is verse 7. It says, Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. The goal of transformation should be sustainability where it meets the immediate need. But more than that, it carries people into the future and deals with their long-term needs. Echo is about providing legs rather than just alms, as we saw on Friday night. Transformation, when carried out correctly, leads to also restored relationships. First to the debtors, right? But transformation seeks to restore equilibrium in social dynamics as well. With the community paying off the debtor, and actually paying off the debtor ends up leveling kind of the social relationships and social dynamics because I'm no longer in your debt. We are now equal. But it also allows us to create margin and, and, and cushion to take care of the, emergent, the urgent and immediate needs, but ultimately to focus on what is important in terms of all of our relationships. Echo's vision and mission statement the vision statement is honoring God by empowering the undernourished with sustainable hunger solutions. Now, ECHO does a lot of other things outside of just providing people with farming techniques and methods. ECHO is involved with knowledge and skills in the area of animals and plants and techniques and appropriate technologies and trees. but. I think one of the most transformational things that I have seen and experienced is what it does through foundations for farming or farming God's way. It's an amazing system where people do that which is sometimes counterintuitive rather than turning over the soil. It's a no-till system rather than going out and purchasing the modern chemical fertilizers that when placed upon the, the plant actually will help the plant grow in that season. But as it's doing so, that, those chemical fertilizers are actually leaching out and depleting the soil of all nutrients. So rather than doing that, let's, let's teach you how to make compost with what you already have, what's already in your hand. And by doing so, not spend all the money that you need to spend for the chemical fertilizers, not leach out the soil, actually build into the soil new life, 
new resurrection life that your creator actually created the soil to be able to do on its own. Some amazing transformation. So we are honoring God by empowering the undernourished with sustainable hunger solutions. Echo's biblical mandate is one where we feel called by God to see and move and help those living in desperation to transformation. We want to reach people living in these places, in these spaces of desperation. We want to engage in, and, and, and help by, by our engagement is shaped by, by compassion and dignity and, and justice. We are called to promote sustainable empowerment. But also ECHO seeks to and desires to see restored relationships, relationships with, our, with, the, with themselves as people struggle through these times, but relationships also with their neighbors, relationships with their livelihoods, but ultimately also relationship with their creator. I asked our West Africa team to send me some recent stories, some testimonies of people who have experienced this desperation to transformation. I received a, an, a number of audio files, but one of them actually stuck out quite significantly to me. I received it last week, and I was going through it and listening to it. It's a story about a pastor named Mamadou Pierre Nabi. Pastor Nabier is the father of four. He has moved into a brand new area. He shepherds now about 20 people in his new, vill in his new village, his, the village of Kape, which is in northwestern Burkina. In December 2018, he was privileged to participate in an ECHO training. It was basically a training about foundations for farming or farming God's way, where he, he learned how to do this no-till method and learned how to make his own compost. He learned how to make bio-liquid fertilizer, all from resources that he already had. He claims that, and these were his term, his, his words, he claims that this training was literally a gold mine of information that has significantly impacted his life personally and the life of his community and his ministry. Pastor Nabye shared that, these were his words, as I have applied this new knowledge, my production, my production level has literally tripled. And I just need to push the pause button real quick to explain what happens in many of these rural settings where many of these pastors are bivocational in the, in the sense that they are, they are farmers like those around them. They farm their own land. They don't have land as they are going into new areas. And so they have to go see the landowners of the village and be granted land. And it's often the land that is not being used, not, not desirable, land that has been over-farmed that they are given. And so he was farming on one and a half hectares, which is about four acres of land. He was given this farm, and in that first year after his training, and I should pause again real quickly, one of the things that he often would do is actually ask for uh, assistance in the plowing up, the, the tilling of his field, which is now, 
He's now learned about no-till. So he would spend about $250 every year to have his field plowed. Uh, he would spend, additionally, he would spend uh, money on chemical fertilizers. And he said that his production on that four acres was roughly around 600 kilos of corn, about six months' worth of food. But he began to apply this new training. In that very first year, he was able to produce 1,800 kilos of corn on the same land. 1,800 months, or 18, 18 months of food. And he only spent about, instead of $250, he actually spent under $20 in preparation. Remember, this is not his land. His land now has just produced unseen, an unseen crop, previously experienced. The landowners came back to him. Something must be going on on your land. We need to have access to that land. So they took the land back. They gave him another piece of land, another one and a half hectares, another four acres, exact same amount. It was, it's about what they need as a small-scale farmer. That, he said, uh, thanks to the Lord and the training that was received by Echo, this land, which was more depleted in terms of the soil than the previous land, he said he was actually able to produce about 1,200 kilos of corn, twice what he had was previously pr producing on the other land. He said that he and his family have significantly improved their quality of life. He said with the profits, they've been even able to pur purchase a $700 motorcycle. He said that the training that he has received has actually begun to impact his neighbors. Because now his field, this undesirable piece of land, and everybody knows the story that he was, the other property was taken away from him. But now this field, which was unproductive, is, has become literally a demonstration and training center for others. He said this year, due to the high cost of chemical fertilizers, Due to the war in Ukraine, he said, he said fertilizers, supply uh, chain issues are affecting them. He said because of that and people not being able to afford the chemical fertilizers, he said a number of villages have now come to him and requested training in how to make compost and bioliquid fertilizers. He said also in terms of his ministry, the training that he has received has opened a brand new door of evangelism. And he is able to share what farming God's way looks like. He's able to share the gospel and it's having a tremendous impact. People are turning to Christ because of simple agricultural principles. Called by God, reaching people living in places of desperation, engagement that encompasses compassion, dignity, justice, promoting sustainable empowerment, but restoring relationships with ourselves, 
with our neighbors, with our livelihood, and with our Creator. This is Echo. We thank you for being partners with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these moments of reflection on this story. We thank you for how you have taken us from places of desperation and engaged us in transformation. And even as we look around here, here at Shell Point, seeing that in action, seeing, seeing some of the trees that were toppled over and the desperation that was all around us and now seeing transformation of new resurrection growth. Thank you that you do the same in our lives as we are willing vessels to be put into your service to reach those in need and help move them from desperation to transformation. We thank you, Father, for your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.